0: Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin podcast. I'm your host, Tim Gottsler. Today's episode takes us into the fifth inning of game five, where we sit down with head baseball coach and division one state champion, Chris Agnew from Milton High School. Now, throughout the episode, you're going to hear Chris's journey as a player and as a coach and, you know, another alumni of his program. You know, we've seen a trend here throughout the the years of these episodes, guys coming back to their hometowns where they played, had a ton of success, and now are the head baseball coach. So, you can add Chris Agnew to that list, um, his 2022 Milton team, like I mentioned, um, Division One state champs, and kind of a unique um, state tournament this year with some scheduling changes and everything else, but also, I just love hearing the journey of a season, and you know, how they came into the postseason, their run... Through regionals and sectionals, and then they just absolutely took off at state tournament. And you know, one of my favorite parts of this whole story is his relationship with Harvey Knutson up at Bayport, and to see them in the state finals this year um, and everything else. So sit back and listen. Uh, you know, and dive, let's dive into Milton baseball for about an hour or so. And without further ado, head baseball coach at Milton High School and 2022 Division One state champ, Chris Agnew. Hey, Coach, how you doing today? Good, yourself? Beautiful. Hey, thanks for jumping on the show. So um, just want to kind of get to know you a little bit, your background in baseball. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Kind of talk us through your playing career first.
1: So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm from Milton, uh, born and raised. I actually grew up on a, a dairy farm outside of Milton. So kind of between Milton and Whitewater. Um, graduated from Milton in 1997. Um, was a, was a three three sport athlete in high school, um, football, baseball, basketball, and, uh, baseball was always kind of my passion. Um, what I was like to do the most and try to spend as much time as I can, um, playing. I never really gave up playing, (laughs) um, until just recently. So, um, had an opportunity to, to play at UW Platteville, um, went there more or less to become an agriculture teacher, um, had a really close relationship with an ag teacher in high school. And, um, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what, um, I had an uncle that I'm close with and that's what he did. Um, that ended up not working out, found out that wasn't necessarily the best fit for me, but, uh, you know, Platteville was, Platteville was great for me. Went there as a, um, a pitcher just trying to you know get a chance and make the team. I wasn't any kind of a, you know, standout high school player or anything like that, but uh, made the team as a pitcher and then actually ended up playing uh, center field there too uh, for the four years I was there. So it um, was a great experience. Um, met a lot of my closest friends and and people there and really uh, learned a lot about baseball and really enjoyed my time there.
0: Oh, beautiful. I mean, before I get to your coaching career, I, I, I'm trying to picture you as a player and I, I, I have this feeling that how you played impacts, how you coach and like, give us a, give us a scouting report on you as a player. Like you said, you know, as a pitcher coming in, you know, what type of guy were you?
1: Um, If you were on the other team, you probably hated me. Um, That's um, super competitive as a pitcher. Um, Wanted to strike everybody out. Um, That was, couldn't, couldn't throw the ball where I wanted to. I had major control problems. Um, didn't really figure it out until my sophomore year of college, but um, no, just all, ultra competitive. Um, and I think I, I tried to pride myself in being a great teammate. I just enjoyed, you know, being around the guys, being, being part of a team, you know, going out afterwards and, you know, getting up early and going to breakfast before games and just, you know, that's the part that as a coach, you're just happy to be able to, to keep doing that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's maybe the often overlooked thing about guys who play college ball, and you know, even no matter what level it is, it's just the relationships, it's the team, it's it's the guys, it's the mornings, it's the nights, it's weekends, it's bus rides. Um, that's awesome. Well, eventually, you know, you do get into coaching. So, like, what is your what is your path to be, to coach?
1: So, um, became a double major at Platteville. Got into, you know, I thought maybe egg. Teaching agriculture wasn't going to be the thing. So I was going to get into the, the physical education. Um, so I stuck around Platteville for another year and a half. And I got to uh, co-chair as a graduate assistant. Um, and I think that was kind of, that's where I really knew at some point in my life, I wanted to be a head coach. Um, so yeah, I start, I did that. Um, it's an interesting dynamic because you're playing, you're coaching guys that you're close with, you know, you're friends with. Um, so, I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of lessons learned and, and what the, what the, um, there has to, there has to be a distance there between the coach and the friend. Um, but yeah, from there, I coached, um, I coached at Stoughton high school for a couple of years. Um, had a, a friend of a friend that kind of led me in that direction and got into my first little taste of high school coaching. Um, then I got married and started a family and, uh, was out of coaching for quite some time before I uh, contacted Coach Neuenschwander and I was back home living in Milton and um, just the season was coming along in 2013 and I just said now's the time I kind of need to get back around it and be a part of it and uh, luckily he took me in and I was uh, assistant for him for for two years on varsity and then as JV coach for two years and then when he stepped down in 16 I got the I was lucky enough to get the job.
0: Beautiful. Well, I, I'm just I'm picturing you on the mound as kind of that Roger Clemens, fiery, fire the broken bat at, at the guys, um, type of player. Like I, I'm just having that image because, and then trying to coach those guys a year later, you know, when you were living with them and going out with them. I feel like I, you and I had a similar experience in that. Anyways, um, moving on to your professional career now. So you know, ag culture, you know, teaching ag didn't work out for you. Got in the private sector. So, what do you do for a living now? What is your full-time job, and how does that impact you um, coaching varsity baseball?
1: So, it's funny how everything's connected to baseball. Um, I was actually working on a um, for a beverage uh, distributor at the time, and kind of got sick of that racket—selling, um, selling beer, and selling Budweiser—and um, called a, a buddy of mine from Platteville who was in the insurance industry, um, and. Kind of, kind of led me down that path, and I worked for a, an independent commercial insurance agency for five years. Um, it was a great job. I thought I'd stay there forever, and all of a sudden, an opportunity came with an American Family office uh, in my hometown, and uh, took that job nine years ago now. So I've been an agent, uh, you know, agent, baseball coach, and '97 uh, grad is uh, is an interesting combination in your in your hometown. So. Um, but it's all, it's all working out. No regrets. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. So,
0: so how does, how does that work as an insurance agent? Like how, you know, working at a major corporation, you know, for the last nine years, how, how do you translate that onto the field if it's in practice planning or game management or, or anything else?
1: Um, I think it's the, the preparation side is important. Um, you know, you, you're, you own your own business, right? You, you need to, you need to be prepared and, and organize your time. And, um, you know, a lot like coaching is, you know, you got to look to the future and plan ahead. Um, but most importantly, you got to have good people around you. Um, so, I mean, for, for me, a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of things going on. I got to, I have two incredible, um, staff people that work for me here in my office and like Carly and Rebecca, um, you know, and when, when I'm gone, they pick up the slack. And obviously my, my wife Janelle at home is, is doing all the other things I can't do when I'm running a business and a baseball program. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, and I think when you correlate the two of them together, relationships and, and building relationships is the, is the most important thing. I mean, honestly, it's, you know, your employees, your coaches, your players, your clients, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, it's just, it's it's that true bond that you have with with people, right? Just trying to um, do the best you can and, um, yeah, relationships will take you a long ways.
0: Well, and, and you've mentioned now the importance of having good people around you, those relationships, and, you know, for you as coming through the ranks as a player and a coach and, you know, in the private sector, everything else, you know, you've been influenced by you know, a variety of people. And this is the old sports talk radio question. Like give us kind of your Mount Rushmore of coaching influences. When you look back and and you look at who those influences are, who are they, what impact did they have on you and your coaching career?
1: Yeah. um, You know, that's certainly I look at um, coaches that you didn't even necessarily know. Right. Like, your Bobby Knight's or your Augie Garrido's and those kind of people that you know you just kind of watched from afar and kind of liked the passion they had or you know a Bo Ryan or you know those kind of things like you you could appreciate those kind of guys from afar but the the guys that that I knew personally or played for um, Jerry Schlem was my, my high school football coach um, won two state championships in Milton in 86 and 89. And he was just kind of, um, you know, he was that guy that um, everybody knew and everybody looked to. And he just kind of, he led a whole program, you know, he led it from the bottom to the top and um, had a huge influence on me as a, um, obviously as a player, I played football for him. I played baseball for him. um, But just the level of commitment that he had, um, you know, even back then before it was, you know sports were as specialized and as year round as they are now he i think he was ahead of his time that way you know he was he was always you know all year round talking football and getting guys in the weight room and getting guys looking ahead to to next season and what they need to improve on and and get better at so um you know and i i was actually fortunate enough to when i got the jv position here in milton he was still around. He had a grandson on the team at the time. And he was, I mean, he, he was that good of a baseball coach too. I mean, he would have been, if he'd have picked baseball over football, he'd have been just as successful doing that, you know, as he was, you know, with the, the run he had in football. So, uh, taught me a lot about being, you know, a young coach and getting my feet wet and, um, you know, how to deal with, with parents and, and kids and, uh, expectations and those kind of things. Um, he was just incredible influence on me. So the first person that comes to mind, um, other guys, obviously, um, you know, my high school baseball coach was, was Chuck Siles. Um, I'm sure a lot of guys that'll listen to this probably know Chuck. He, you know, he coached in Milton. He's been an athletic director. He's an umpire. Um, he's pretty, pretty close to the game, but someone I was close, close with in high school and, you know, continue to talk to and, uh, lean on when I need some advice from time to time. Um, and then obviously um, Coach Dewey uh, that I coached with for four years when I got back into Milton. Um, he didn't know me at all um, and not only took me in, but, uh, you know, gave me, a, gave me a pretty long rope too. Um, I was, I would say a lot more abrasive back 10 years ago than I am now. Um and yeah, just just grateful that, you know, kind of looking where we're at now and how much I enjoy doing this, that, you know, when I called him, he could have very easily said, Yeah, well, I think we're set for coaches or, you know, no, maybe next year. Um, but uh he took me in and him and not, not just him, him and his dad. Um Tom Newenschwander, who helped him coach, was, you know, one of those guys that's he coached at Jamesville Craig for a long time. Um Big basketball coach and, um, you know, just incredible amount of stories and knowledge that, you know, long bus rides to, long bus rides to Monroe. I just remember sitting with, with big Nui and uh, talking to him and um, just learned a lot from those guys.
0: That's incredible. Well, let's kind of dig into to Milton baseball a little bit, you know, give us the flyover view um, how big is the program you carry in three teams, you know, roughly roster size, um, you know, give us that fly view of, of what it looks like.
1: So, yeah, we, we are a three team program. Um, so we varsity JV one, JV two. Um, we really try to emphasize to, to parents and kids that, um, we're trying to win at the varsity level. Um, you know, we've, yeah, we want to win at all levels, but we're really trying to develop, um, players and, and see what they can do at the lower levels. Um, so, I mean, we do, we have a lot of juniors that will play down on the JV team. Uh, we have a lot of sophomores that will play down on the JV two team. Um, the better freshmen, if they're not on varsity or on, on the JV team. Um, so, I mean, there's a There's a pecking order there. I think the the sooner you can, you know, you don't want to just put all the freshmen on the JV2 team and say, this is where you go. Um, It's kind of showing kids where they stand, you know, in the program throughout. So I don't know that I was that aggressive with that when I started, but I've become more aggressive with, you know, try not to look at how old the kid is, look at where he, where he fits in uh, based on talent. so, yeah, we've, I think our enrollment now is 1250, something like that. Um, but we, we have anywhere from 45 to 65 kids come out in a given year. So, um, yeah, numbers, numbers have been good and uh, anticipating them to, to stay strong here.
0: Well, before I move on any further, I want to kind of dig into the varsity JB one JB 2 model. And You know, I think high school football has done an effective job of, you know, playing those kids on Thursday nights and then they Mm -hmm. suit Fridays or play special teams Fridays. And, you know, baseball is not conducive to that because of weather and scheduling and everything else. So I'm intrigued. How do you sell that to the families that, hey, junior, it's better for you to play down, sophomore, better for you to play down? Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think that's a tough sell in a lot of communities. So what's, what's your guys approach to that?
1: So communication, number one. Um, I have a lot of heart to hearts with juniors, um, and just basically, you know, we'll post rosters and depending on numbers, a junior may post on the varsity team. And then immediately the day after cuts, we have me and a couple of my assistants will sit down with each individual player one-on-one and basically say, Hey, this is where we see you fitting in to start the year. Um, you know, if you're if you're all about being on varsity and being a good teammate, and you know that playing time may be limited, um, I'm all about it. You travel and you're on the team, and you know help us get better and be ready for your opportunities. Um, but then you also have the conversation of, hey, I think there's I think there's an opportunity for you to go down and you know get your at bats and develop or you know pitch games for guys that aren't, aren't going to see a lot of innings up here. Um, and, and give yourself a, a better chance to show what you can do and get on the field as a senior and help us out. So, you know, I think as long as you're honest with kids, they're honest with you back. And I've had kids tell me, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't, I don't make them, right? They, they go ahead and they suit up and they, they get six or seven at bats and it works out. Um, but I've also had kids that say, I'm ready to go. You know, I got outfielders going down to catch games. I got, you know, I got a first baseman that doesn't pitch that says, hey, if you need arms, I can pitch. You know, it's just um, I think that you, you learn to see what some that some kids are are selfless and just want to help out. And um, yeah, it's a I get what you're saying. It's definitely touchy. Um, I, I do think one of the things that I try and stress every year at our we have the parent meeting in the spring is I communicate with the players and I I do the broad level communication with parents, you know, what they, as far as playing time um, or where you're at on a team. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to let you know, I'm going to tell the kid um, and be honest with the kid. And if something needs to be discussed, then we'll sit down and, schedule a time to do in person and, and go through it from there. But um, I think as long as you're honest with kids, the majority of them understand it and they kind of already know. So it's worked for us.
0: Oh, and that's great to hear. And I appreciate you digging into that because I'm sure, you know, you you use those examples of those juniors that went down and played and and maybe had success as a senior as a selling point. And, you know, we all have those examples and you know, and probably internally, we've sent kids down, and it hasn't worked out as a senior. But you know, we we always had just... one.
1: I had one last year. I mean, as, as long as you're just saying that right now, I mean, I, I had. I'll mention. I won't mention him by name, um, but uh, I had a kid that you know just loved baseball. Never missed an open gym. Um, would play any position. Would first one there, last to leave. Uh, went down and played a ton of JV innings as a junior. Um, and then he played in the state championship. I mean, he was on the field in two of the three state games as a senior. So, I mean, that was your success story of, you know, why you do it and just keep improving and keep getting better. And um, yeah.
0: yeah I love that. It, it sounds awfully, awfully similar to, to, to what we got going on here at Menominee Falls is you know, same thing, kids, some kids plan down and then they get their shot as a senior and, 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 and just a great success story. Um, my question I wanted to ask more about your program was tryouts. How do you guys structure tryouts? You know, we have our five days of pitchers and catchers. You get to try out Monday, you know, your size program. Do you guys do more of a showcase style, a drill and skill, a little bit of both um, inner squad? And how many days do you allot for, for tryouts and, and team selections?
1: Uh, anywhere from two to three. Um, I think uh, we used to do, I think we would go three or four before we made cuts. And now just the schedule seems like it gets a little earlier and earlier each year. Um, and I, I've realized with experience how valuable the practice time is um, with your opening day squad. So um, I think we do two, two days, a two-day tryout. Um, obviously, we were, you know, you're blessed with weather when you get it. You can go outside and um, you know see what kids can do when we when we had the opportunity to do that. We had a little bit longer tryouts. We would do more of a, a skills and drills, you know, small group kind of deal, um, you know, by class. So we, you know, junior juniors and seniors together, and sophomores and freshmen together, um, and then would end with kind of some live abs and scrimmage type stuff. Um, so I mean, yeah, that the year we were able to do that was just. incredible to see kids outside and on the field and know what they can do. And um you know, I think it happens every year where you get fooled indoors by man, this kid looks good. And then you get outside and I mean he's okay. You know, and then um you know you do the best you can but it's it's what's nice is you know you're you're connected to the youth programs and you're connected to you know open gyms and You know, little youth camps and different things that you do that you start to kind of know some of the players and the kids and what they can do. And um, yeah, it's hard. It's definitely hard. And we're fortunate enough that we don't have to cut a lot. You know, we cut a handful of kids, and I I would say anywhere from you know on the high years it's maybe six to eight program wide, and there's some years where it's maybe two or three. So um, yeah, I, I think. For the most part, we're able to to keep people and and find a, a good spot for them to play.
0: I appreciate appreciate you laying that out. Um, the other piece I'm intrigued on is, you know, the the summer baseball, travel ball scene, youth scene in Milton. So I know every community <laughs> seems to be growing in those spaces. So give us the give us a little overview of what it looks like in Milton.
1: So yeah, it's come a long ways. Um, to be honest with you, um, when I so that there's always been a rec program in Milton. Um, and I think they, the rec program does a, does a great job, um, especially for the younger kids, you know, the T-ball kids and the coach pitch kids and pitching machine. Um, but I think that there was a, you know, a competitive drop-off for the kids, you know, the better players that wanted to play more than twice a week and they wanted more practice time and, you know, to play in some tournaments against better competition and, and those kind of things. And about the time that I got the job, there was a, a group of dads in town that had started the Milton storm organization. Um, and really as a program, we're, you know, we're just kind of last year starting to see some of the benefits and the depth of that. Um, I think our storm program starts at eight, U and, um, goes through 14 And um you know we have multiple teams at different age groups and I'd, I'd be guessing at the total number of kids in the program, but it's it's significant um whereas we used to have you know kids kids were were traveling to other communities you know to to play travel ball or to play in a, a neighboring city that had a better program um and now they're they're playing in Milton they're playing with with Milton on their chest, which I like and um, I I think it's just we've come a long ways with the the feeder program to the high school. So. Well,
0: and I know you have a, you have a son who's a freshman now, but you, you know, you were coaching and being a parent in these youth programs, but, you know, wearing your hat as a, the varsity coach, you know, what kind of influence and role do you have in your youth programs? I mean, I know everybody, people are busy, time is limited, but you know, also having that feeder program that you're now seeing the benefits of how do you decide where to dip your toes in those waters
1: so i think for the most part like i have two kids in there by the way i always forget about that little one but uh yeah i've got a i got a freshman and a fifth grader um, that's playing too so um you know i there's there's good volunteers and there's good coaches and you know i'm not I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know what's best and I need to run that program. And, um, I also think that, you know, at the youth levels, we tend to want to go too fast, too quickly. Right. Um, and, you know, I go, I, I go to board meetings. Um, you know, not as much, not all of them, I get there as much as I can. And I try and just, you know, give a little feedback about, you know, the things that we do. And we've, you know, we used to do some, some youth clinics and coaches clinics and different things like that. And we're, we're trying to get back to that. We kind of stopped with COVID and all that when, when all that went on. But um, yeah, I think the the biggest thing, and this sounds so simple is. I just tell the coaches and the parents within the storm organization is just get your kid to love baseball. Just like. It, it sounds so simple to say, you know, just have fun. Right. But like, there's a way to teach kids when they're younger, um, teach them, teach them the smallest things that you think, you know, when you're, when you're playing eight, you, you think you got to teach them something that the, the, the JV kids are learning. No, you don't, you don't have to teach them that. I mean, teach them the the most basic things and have fun with it. Like just, just develop that, that passion for playing. Right. And they'll learn, they'll pick it up you know, it'll, it'll happen. It just, um, you know, I see, I just think gets a little too serious sometimes. Um, But uh, no, they do a great job and it's fun to, fun to be a part of it. And it's, it's fun to see those kids go from, from 8U into their freshman year now and just see how much they change, right? You know, maybe a kid that wasn't a, a solid player, 8, 9, 10, and by the time he gets up as a as a freshman is a is a contributor in the program because they just they changed so much over the years. So um but no we have a we have a great group between our rec department and the, the people that run the the Milton Storm to you know the field management and all the guys that get fields ready for us. And um yeah it's been big improvement.
0: I think that's just a great message for people to hear parents, other coaches. Like you said, I mean, there's so many people that want to go too fast or be too complex, and, you know, they, they get caught by shiny things. And, and what you know is there's such – so many kids quit baseball when they get to seventh grade. There's yes. such a big drop-off. And if you lose that kid in seventh grade, you're not getting them back. So it doesn't matter how fancy of a rap soto or a tech you have this or a certification, if your kid's not out there, your kid's not out there. You lose them to track. You lose them to different sports. So I think that's just a, that's just a great message.
1: Well, there's a burnout factor right i mean it's um it's if you're if if they want to do it of course right like the more the better if, they, if that's what they want to do but um you know you can't you can't push them too hard and you can't give them too much right that's just why i just you want it to be fun um and kids kids want results right away and some of these kids it takes maturity right it takes it takes some beatings on, you know, I, I might, me personally with our storm team, we, we were not the best, you know, team coming up. You know, we, we had some kids that were playing in other organizations, you know, we had some, um, you know, we, we didn't have strong pitching, but we were going to these big tournaments, you know, because that's where we could play. And, um, we, we lost some games and it was tough, but I, I think it's going to benefit those kids in the long run that, they had fun with it. They played, they competed, um, toughened them up a little bit. And um, yeah.
0: Well, I think that's a perspective that is is unique to maybe just to you and and very few people is you, you can play the long game, right? You see, you know, it wins at the varsity level. Like you mentioned before, winning matters at the varsity, not that it's irrelevant at other levels, but when you get a chance to play for things that really matter, and go to Appleton and win a state championship. You I mean, you know what a championship team looks like, which brings us to our next topic where I really want to you know, spend a lot of time here is your 2022 season. And you know, as you think about you know, that season and hoisting that, that, that gold ball in Appleton, I mean, what, what are the first few things that come to your mind for the championship season?
1: Um, just the, the ups and downs of a season. Right. Um, the guys, the group, the group of kids, the coaches, um, and just kind of the way that whole season went along, you know, from, from the preseason rankings and trying to, to calm everybody down on that front to, um, to, to getting off to a good start and, you know, some big wins to, you know, the disappointment of not winning our conference, um, not winning our conference championship, the goals that we had um, going into it and, you know, a four-game losing streak at the end of the season, a regular season, but um, then to just – they never lost confidence, you know, and I just – just a a testament of of good kids, high-character kids, obviously very talented kids um, that just worked hard throughout the year and never – never quit and, you know, found a way to win, uh, three really close playoff games throughout the regional and sectional. And then, um, honestly, when they got to Appleton, played the best baseball they played all year. Um, and it was, it was just fun to see, um, as a coach, it was, I don't want to say they were easy games to coach, but it was kind of, it was, it was just funny how things kind of went to script where we had planned on, you know, pitching this kid and, getting this many pitches out of him and hoping to bring him back in two days. And, um, you know, we kind of went into that state tournament with, you know, obviously you're going to try and win the game in front of you, right. You're going to do everything you can to win that game. But we really went into it with a focus of, we want to win three games. Then, you know, what, what gives us the best chance to win all three of these games and the kids, kids executed it to perfection and, um, just still have a hard time believing it, right. Just looking back on it. And I have people that stop in and talk to me in my office all the time or people I run into that I haven't seen for a while. And anytime someone brings it up, obviously it's, it's just fun to talk about and, and look back on it and, um, never forget that couple of weeks. So,
0: yeah, I mean, as a, I don't know, outsider looking in, Right. And as someone who got a little bit more interest in Milton baseball as we got closer to Appleton. Right. Um, Again, how what do you chalk up to? Right. You said you mentioned you got a four game losing streak going into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden you just start trending and ascending. And I don't remember seeing a, a, a team. Have that that level of success at Appleton, where your looks like your offense. I mean, I don't want to discredit your pitching staff or your defense by any means, but your offense just exploded. Yeah. And so, like, if you think about those couple of weeks and the the ups and the downs, have you been able to pinpoint now that you've had a chance to reflect, like what things happened along the way that were that allowed you guys to just take off?
1: Um. It's funny, the first thing I thought of when you we were talking there was that that seating meeting that I'll never forget. Um, just the things you learn when you make the state tournament, right? You got eight teams there that think they're the hottest team in the state and, and uh, played the toughest schedule. And it's always, uh, it's interesting to go into it. And I kind of knew where we were going to fall when we went in there. But um, yeah, it's the whole experience is something else. But for us, um, you know, that senior leadership And those kids, um, Gavin Keelan and, and Alec Campbell and, you know, Jack Campion, um, Michael Burkheimer, those kind of our four, you know, and we had other seniors, we had eight seniors. They were all, all played a role, but, um, and those guys just never lost confidence. And, you know, you talk about, I've heard you say it on other podcasts, you know, your best team is the team that the players take over. And, you know, when we, when we lost to Sun Prairie the last game of the year, uh, three to two at their place, um, and, and just a great baseball game, uh, back and forth and high intensity—the the kind of games that you want to play, you know—right before you're going into the playoffs to give you a taste of what it's going to be. And we saw their best guys for a couple innings each. We threw our best guys, and you know we lost. But I'll I'll just never forget being down that that right field line after the game. And listening to the leadership from our guys, it wasn't coming from coaches. It was coming from players. Um, And I just remember the bus ride home saying, this team has a chance, you know, like they're, they're going to be a really tough out on the way way through this. So um, you got to have players. You got to have obviously talent. You got to have kids that are committed, Um, but you got to have the right kids that are, about the team and are about winning and uh we certainly had that this year they carried us a long way so and that goes from you know responding like I said responding from adversity you know to the adversity they face to you know the way we run practices like you know we we kind of the, the first half of the year is you know a coach has a position group and you know we we try and break them up into small groups and you know do a little bit more of the you know, one-on-one positional stuff and, you know, buntings over here and hitting's over there. And, you know, as the season goes on, it was so fun to see, you know, Keelan kind of took over the the infielders and he was leading everything. And, you know, we got a, another kid that, that took the outfielders and he was leading all of the, you know, the daily drills that they do every day for 15 minutes to start practice. You know, they just, they took over and they, they run things and, it was just um, make my job as a coach so much easier when you got players like that. So,
0: well, I mean, I was I was laughing with a coach um, uh, talking about the state tournament. You know, like I and I'd like to get your take on this, right? You you win your sectional, which is is about as emotional as you can imagine at that time for you. You get you know you want a state championship, I get to another level of emotions. But you win that sectional, working your whole career for it. And then you have just a laundry list of things to do that need to be done now. And the longer you wait, um, you miss you on hotels, you miss on getting BP and, you know, all practices, all things that it takes. But you're still trying to enjoy that moment, that Tuesday, which is, you know, one of the wildest days in uh, in, in the state. But then you get to, you, you know, we have a seed meeting, right? And I, by the way, I do have a, a message out to Mel about just, you know, the process and are we, are we moving towards a uh, computer seed or in-person seed? And, and you know, what, what, what way is this going to go in the future? Anyways, but then you get to Appleton with your seed, and it's 100 and something degrees. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing, like, and then you get rain, and your game gets moved. And, like, how, do, how were you guys able to manage all of the adversity, just logistically going to Appleton?
1: Um, we just had fun with it. I mean they were I think that's why they played so well. I mean they they're just um you know there's you got the coach bus and you're you're doing all the the send off and everything to go up there and and we got up there there early and we you know we got a place to to practice and we did the mall thing and we went out for dinner and I think they just I don't know they're just enjoying the moment and being there. They were the first first team from Milton to get to state So I mean, I think that they, I mean, one, that's a huge accomplishment. And um, you know, you kind of get there feeling like we're we're playing with house money, right? What do we what do we got? Let's just get in there and let it rip. So um obviously coming out, we're facing a a really good arrowhead team and hot day, crazy conditions. Um, you know, you're I everybody warned me, just be ready. It's gonna be the timing is crazy, you know, and they find out later that day, you know, I think it was, it was 1230 in the morning when we walked off the field against Greendale, um, rolling back into the, the parking lot in Milton at 430 in the morning. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy, but it's, it's just, uh, it's an unbelievable experience. It's just something you try and soak in every moment while you're there. Um, and yeah, it was administration is key. I'll just, I'll say that. Um, I'm lucky to have uh, Jeff Spivak, our our athletic director, and and Tracy Calhoun, his uh, assistant, and our our principals, and just our booster club, everybody that came along and you know helped me organize things, and my assistant coaches, and just it takes a lot of people to to organize it and help out. And um, yeah, I was I was lucky to to have all those people there.
0: Well, and, like, administratively, a lot of help, you know, but, like, get into the baseball a little bit. I mean, like you said, you you guys prepared to win three games. Yep. You have all these different opponents you can play. You're working through all these different scenarios. How did you get you guys ready on the baseball side to compete at that level? So,
1: again, leadership. Those those dudes I'm talking about before are as competitive as it gets. but we we knew what we were up against with with that that Arrowhead team. First, uh, we knew we were getting ready for speed. We we prepared ourselves for velocity all week, um, and we were. I just feel like we were ready. Um, and some of the guys that we, you know, were were counting on and believing in the whole year that weren't the marquee guys came through with some of the biggest hits in that game. Um, you know, it's it's, it's little things here and there. Um, you know, we had a couple big hits and then, um, I just think one of the bigger plays in the game was, a we stole a run on a quick steal and that was just, you could feel the momentum go right there. And I think that's when our kids really started to believe that, you know, we can, we can take these guys. Um, so, and it was fun and I can't say enough about Jack Campion in that game. Um, he just, uh, that was that was the easy part of the pitching plan is we knew we were gonna ride jack until we couldn't ride him anymore. so uh, and the kid just went out there and and pitched his guts out. so um, yeah, gave us a gave us an opportunity there and um, yeah the, and then the other guys just followed up and yeah, played a complete game that day.
0: So you go in, beat arrowhead you know, hours, you know, in the, in the hundred and whatever it was degrees, you come back later that night, you come off the field after midnight, beating Greendale, get back to Milton at four 30 in the morning. You know, I got to sleep eventually. Right. And now you're coming back Thursday to play Bayport. And, you know, now the, now the traction, the story of you and Harvey's relationship and everything else from Platteville starts to come together. And uh, it just a really cool story. So for, for those who maybe don't know much about it or anything about it at all, um, you know, what was it like to play Bayport in that environment and, and maybe dig into your guys' relationship?
1: Uh, you know, I was happy for him I mean, at that point. I wish I was playing anybody else. Um, you know, me, it's, too. Uh, me too, by the way, <laughs> I'm glad they were there. I, obviously it's incredible what kind of program they've had for as long as they have. Um, and then for him to take control and, you know, your first three years are, COVID and, and two runner-ups. I know he wants that gold ball, but um, he's pretty incredible what he's doing there. But, um, you know, the, we met at Platteville and we were teammates for, you know, I think three or four years. And then we coached together as grad assistants and more so really got to become good friends. We played, we played some home talent together, but we played fast pitch softball together. Um, which was just a whole different time in my life, right? And his life too. We were, um, he was actually doing both at the time. He had just started coaching at Bayport and uh, we were playing for this new image fast pitch team. And we were playing tournaments like 12, 13 weekends a summer and hundred games a summer and um, a lot of hotel rooms, a lot of time in the car and uh, really got close uh, throughout that point. And um, we just, close with each other's families and, you know, kids and, um, yeah, just a guy I got a ton of respect for and, um, yeah, just have been a a good friend for a long time, actually introduced me to my wife. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an awesome story. Thanks for, thanks for uh, laying that out there. And I can just imagine you two guys on the road in a hotel room after playing softball all day. You know, there, there
1: are some off-air stories.
0: <laughs> I can only imagine that only some baseball guys would appreciate. Um, well, I, I before I transition to my next topic, like anything else about that 2022 season that comes to mind, I don't want to leave any stone unturned because it is just so special. And anybody who takes these things for granted is, is foolish. This is you know, seven levels of the playoffs. This is Division One baseball, any division, but – to win three games at Appleton, you know, even this time period that we're in with, you know, the merging of summer and spring, and, you know, the, the the talent level in the state's just growing and growing, and to be able to take your team, your hometown team, alumni, insurance agent, kids in the youth program, to hoist the gold ball in Appleton, like what else is out there for us?
1: Um, just a lot of, uh, I think, looking back on it, appreciation for, you know, it's, it's more special because I'm from here, you know, I've been graduated from here It's my hometown. I, you know, some of these guys on these teams, I played with their dads and um, I've known them since they were little kids. And, um, and that's not just me. I mean, my, my coaching staff is a lot of them are alumni here and, you know, it's just, it's special. just thinking about my staff too, going through from when we started in 17, I think we won eight games my first year and nine games my second year. And, you know, just, I was not fun to coach with those first two years. I can guarantee you that. Um, I'm not a, I'm not a good loser. Um, Take the, I take the losses harder than I enjoy the wins. I think most of us do, but uh, that was, that was something that was really hard for me to to deal with. And I think I got a lot better at dealing with coaches, but, um, you know, just the relationships I've developed with those guys and, um, just to, to come full circle and, and win a state title. And, you know, with the coaching staff intact over those six years and, um, just really appreciative of all the time and sacrifice and work that they've put in. And, uh, we definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Um, that's kind of the, the selfish side for me. Um, the other side is just, you just just smile thinking about the kids and how much it meant to them. I mean, this was a goal of theirs since they were fifth, sixth grade. They talk about all the time. Um, you're just happy for the happy for them, something they've got forever. And, um, yeah, and I, I did spend some time and reflection too, because you think about all the other kids that helped you, you know, build that program too. You know, I thought on that bus ride home from Appleton, all, you know, the kids I had on the, the 2019 team, uh, that lost in the, we lost in a sectional final to Sussex, a game that we were winning for six innings. And, uh, I mean, that was just an incredible group of kids that helped turn the program around from a, from a nine win team to a, to a team that almost, went to state. So, I mean, it's, you know, without, without those kind of guys, you know, believing in me and our staff and, you know, kind of what we do It, you know, it's hard to see, you know, the momentum that, that actually led to a state championship. So, um, it's incredible and it just makes you, makes you hungry for, for another shot. So, um, we want more.
0: And That was actually a good segue to my next question. I, you know, you talked about preseason last year, the expectations, PBR rankings, you know, college commits, draft pick, um, and now you win a state championship, right? Like, how do you, how are you guys trying to manage the expectations for twenty three? You're hungry, your competitors, you had a taste, you hoist the gold ball. Like, looking into twenty three for us, how do you manage those expectations for your group?
1: Um. I, th- I think uh, we have big holes to fill, right? So I think we we talk about just the process of how you're doing things in the day to day, and you know, taking care of the things that you can take care of, and all the coach speak that all of us give, right? Like it's just, um, I think that the expectation. I mean, that's all. It's all nice to get a little pub, you know, and a little hype and get, get some guys excited. But in the end that didn't really mean much when we were going into the playoffs and then lost four straight, you know, it's just kind of, it's not where you start. It's not where you're at in February and March. It's, it's how you're playing and how tough of an out you're going to be once you get to the playoffs. So um, our kids put in a ton of work. Like they, they are, I'm amazed that, how they take advantage of the opportunities they're given, you know, if the, if the gym is open and the cages are available, we, we got kids in there, you know um, if we've got, you know, the weight room open or the um, this, there's a place in Janesville that they all go to work out and do training. You know, those are at all hours of the day. They're always there. They're always working out. I just can't, can't believe the kind of shape some of these kids are in like just, it's incredible. I mean, they take, they take good care of themselves. They prepare their bodies um, and they just can't get enough of, of baseball and practicing and working out. And, um, and that's all it is. is Just prepare the best you can and put yourself in a position and um, hopefully get on a run and get that momentum to, to do what happened last year. So, you know, I don't, I don't think you need to, to, to put your goals on paper like that. Um, You know, like, our goal in the net going into next year is not going to be win a state championship. I think we're, you know, I personally, I'm more realistic than that. We can have a successful season without winning a state championship. Um, But just putting yourself in the best position to, to go and be a, be a hard out. So.
0: Well, you mentioned it, um, you know, between open gyms and this facility and that facility, and you got kids playing academy ball and, you know, things have changed so much since you and I played, you know, you and, I, you and I played, it was open gyms once a week. That's pretty much all you had. And now there's so many opportunities for kids and and kids at your program and so many others understand if you don't take those opportunities, one, your play is going to suffer Two, You might get leapfrogged pretty quickly in your program by a younger guy. Um, so my question for you is how do you, how do you manage, um, Maybe the travel ball scene, or a kid that plays Legion, or a multi-sport kid, or even you know you had you've had some really high-end talent come through, and and like how do you manage those and have those relationships uh, in your role as a high school coach?
1: So I think my personally when it comes to to travel ball, um, I've really done a 180 on that. Um, I think when I started, I had this uh, vision of. Milton baseball in in the summer and what we were going to do. Um, and I think I quickly realized that it's, it's not just getting kids to play. It's, you know, the logistics of it all, you know, where, where are you going to play, uh, who's playing, um, where are you finding these umpires? Where are the fields? You know, it's, um, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. And I've, I've kind of come full circle on that to say. You know, if you're, if you're a competitive baseball player, the, there are a lot of good organizations out there that can give you facilities and give you the training and give you the high-quality competition and um, have you recognized. Um, but I think we also do a really good job of having a place for the kids that don't do that um, because there are they're contributors on that team, right? I mean, they're, we run a summer program and um, we have, you know, anywhere from 14 to 18 games that we do on our summer uh legion team um and you know I think it's it's a lot you know when you talk about these kids and you you know you're just you know I'm not a teacher right so I don't see them every day so I see them at you know open gyms and we're following up and we're talking and you know we just kind of when I hear their schedules it's just it's eye opening to me because you know, for us, when we were in high school, it was you know, maybe we had an open gym on Saturday and you hit the weight room Tuesday, Thursday in the morning or something like that. Like these kids are doing multiple workouts per day. Um, you know, they're at their their facility with their club team. They're still trying to make it to the open gyms, um, you know, and they're playing other sports. And it's just, and they're honor roll students, you know, like you just, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but I, I don't know if that answers your question. I'm trying to, you know, the other part of it is um, I'm passionate about multi-sport too. Um, I, I, I do everything I can to work with kids to say, you, you can, you can do this. You can be competitive. You can, you can be a great baseball player and still play football, basketball, wrestling, do whatever, um, encourage it. Um, unfortunately, you just don't, I don't think you see it enough and I just like we were talking about with the time it's just not it's hard to hard to squeeze it all in so um but yeah it's uh it's it's a juggling act for sure
0: well, and for me two things come to mind one like you lived it you know and it, when you played multi sports you did it at a high level um you know and then the second part I think about is you know so many people get caught in this kids these days narrative but you know the kids that we get to work with at at our programs I mean like you said they're 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 crushing it they're crushing it in classroom you know they're packed. they're they're seven days a week they're trying to manage all the stuff and it's it's really a a testament to their scheduling and organization and and their commitment so um that's fantastic I I got
1: no time for the kids these days comment that's uh Anybody that says that to me, I just say, you know what, these kids take on more than we ever did and they do it a lot better than we ever did. So um, yeah, I think it's pretty impressive.
0: Well, we've talked a lot about kids, you know, what they're doing this off season, how they're getting better. My question, my last question's for you. And this is where I'm going to kind of, you know, let you have the last word because all of a sudden we're bumping up on an hour. And um, like, what are you working on this off season? Like how do you get your personal development? Are there areas of the game? Are there clinics? Are there coaches that you follow that you're looking for bits and pieces of?
1: Um, there's there's really nobody specific that I follow, um, but I'm always watching videos. Um, you know, looking at online clinics. Uh, yeah, obviously, we do the WBCA stuff and a couple other coaching clinics throughout the year. But um, you know, always always just looking for you know, practice ideas and, um, you know, more importantly, I think I learn a ton from my players. Um, you know, they come back from this facility or that facility and you'll just walk by and, you know, see a kid doing a drill or something and be like, Oh, I've never seen that before. What are you, what are you doing? What are you working on? And it's just, I think you can, you can learn a lot from just being open-minded and asking questions. And, uh, I think as a coach and my staff, I talked a little bit about it. Is this I I've I've learned a lot since I started as far as not everybody's doing it the same way. Right. You don't have to do it my way. You can do it. You can be flexible with what might work for one kid doesn't work for another kid. You know Um, I used to, I feel like I used to try and jam kids all into one way of doing things, you know? And I think the best thing now for, the amount of time that we have to work with guys, you're trying to pick one or two things and just tweak it, you know, or give them a couple things to, to focus on. Um, cause by the time we get to a point where we can actually work with them, um, the season's on you, you know, and you're not making too many adjustments throughout the season. So, um, but from a professional standpoint, I got a lot of good coaches. I got a lot of baseball lifers and junkies that, that are always, you know, Hey, look at this. Hey, look at this. And, um, yeah, it's good people. So.
0: Maybe I got to ask you one more question then. Sorry. uh, What, um, like now you've been in this for a while, you know, obviously you want to stay championship. You've been doing it for a long time. Like what advice would you leave for coaches? Um, send them on down a better path.
1: Um, realize you're not going to make everybody happy. Um, you need to, you need to understand that up front. you got to, um, you, you have to, you're going to give up a lot when you get into this. Um, I don't think I realized how much I would give up when I got into it. Um, but you just got to believe what you're doing and, and try to do the right thing and just realize that there's always going to be people out there that, that doubt you or, or think you're doing, you know, you should be doing something differently. Just believe in yourself and uh, put, put good people around you, build a good staff. And um, yeah. And I guess the number one thing I talked about it earlier was uh, enjoy the wins um, because I'm, I, I have a really hard time with that when I first started just losing, losing killed me you know, and I couldn't, uh, couldn't take it. And um, when you win, you got to enjoy it and appreciate it. And um, obviously that's trying to do that from last year. So.
0: And there it is. Huge thank you goes out to coach Agnew for jumping on with us today. Um, You know, again, I just love hearing his story, his, his personal journey back to Milton, you know, where he grew up and he played, uh, you know, insurance agent in town. You can, I love, you know, the phones are ringing in the background. He's in his office. We we record this on Zoom. He's got a big old canvas um, of the state tournament team in the background. And, you know, just this is part of what he does, his his daily life, his coaching life, you know, dad, husband, everything else that goes into it. Uh, But, you know, I think some of the best nuggets are right at the end of that episode. And it's just really timely. He talked about, you know, be sure of who you are, be confident. You know, run your program how you want to, what you think is best. You know, I think so many of us are, you know, there's doubters and haters, but also there's just that internal, like, self-doubt. And you look across the aisle a little bit or you look over the fence sometimes and think, you know, this program has this or this program has that. And, you know, and and it's hard sometimes to to be so confident what you do because as a growth growth mindset, you know, continual learners, we're trying to get better and better. And but at the same time, you know, to Chris's other point at the end, like you gotta be okay with people not liking you, and it might not be personal. It's just the decisions that you make. I mean, we're a couple weeks away here in Wisconsin from, you know, tryouts and team selections, and that's so difficult. I mean, no coach enjoys that. Coaches want to just get their teams and go, and I get that. But you know, you have sons and moms and dads and communities that are affected by these decisions, and that's the the weight that we carry as head coaches is you have to make those decisions and they're difficult and there's gonna be pushback and it's hard and I just, you know, I I appreciate him going down that road towards the end of the episode where, you know, we all go through that no matter how long you've been coaching and just to be confident what you're doing, get the right people around you, understand it's gonna be hard, there's sacrifices at home, uh, there's other sacrifices you got to make to do this the way you want to do it and the way that you know it's supposed to be done. So, anyways, um, congrats again to Milton and Coach Agnew uh, for their state championship, Division One in 2022. Best of luck this season. And the rest of you, I appreciate you tuning in. Feel free to send this on your group text, share it. You know, the more listeners we get, the better, just to hear from these, these phenomenal coaches. All right, until next time, have a great rest of your day.